Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hey friends, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at the Truth Seekers podcast. Truth Seekers Bible Stories for Kids is a podcast for kids and adults of all ages that journey through the stories of the Bible. Y'all know I love my mini BFFs and including Eddie's two girls. I adore yes. them and yes, Eddie's parents. So this kind of stuff really matters to us. The podcast starts at the very beginning of the Bible and we'll walk through the Old and New Testament in chronological order. Oh, that's neat. Isn't that cool? I know. The mission of the podcast is to help children see the individual stories of the Bible as part of one bigger story that reveals God's redemptive plan to rescue and restore us back to himself. I think that's so cool. I was I was pretty deep into reading the Bible before I realized chronological was an option. Yeah. And my first chronological <laughs> reading was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You so mean I think what? <laughs> I would love to be able to have that in the brain of a five-year-old instead of a right, 25-year-old. Right. Um, I also love this because, right, all the episodes include narration of the Bible story, yep. application of truth, and kind of like prayer focusing on what we just learned, but yeah. also quarantine times. I don't know about all the families, but we are it, it, it we are hungry to find church in different ways, yeah. ways that keep us in our house that's safe, but also allow us to dive in. So I, yeah. I love this. I yeah. love that they're doing it. I also love that there's like a monthly praying the Bible episode so kids can learn how to pray through the truths of the Bible. I think that's so, yeah. so important. It's also so cute. It's so Sorry, cute. I know that's not the point, it but is. they're little sweethearts. Yep. Keep going. <laughs> um, no. So the podcast, you guys can be found on iTunes, Spotify, our heart radio. Just look up truth seekers, Bible stories for kids and tell them that Annie and Eddie sent you. That makes me happy. I can't wait to listen to this. That's all we needed. Good morning, Eddie. Happy Friday. Good morning, Annie F. Downs. Happy Friday, my friend. It is good to talk to you. And to you, Eddie. I am hugely disappointed this morning. All right. Anything else on the list? Or Yeah, I'm just... Oh, I need I you just to kidding. know. Of course, I want to ask. Tell me why I you're disappointed. I woke up. Okay. And had dreamed that I was real life friends at a dinner table with everyone from New Girl. <laughs> I those I've had oh. some of those dreams and they make me so sad. Oh gosh, cuz it's not even possible. They aren't even people, they're characters. But I woke up and mm-hmm. I I mean, I never remember my dreams Eddie. never, never, never. Unless I feel mm-hmm. like the Lord's trying to tell me something which has happened about 3 times in my life. Right. Other than that, I I mean, next to never. And for some reason, I'm remembering I woke up and I knew that I was at Schmidt's house and I knew that (laughs) Nick Miller and I had been laughing, just laughing our life away. And I can't remember Zoe Deschanel's character all of a sudden. Oh, I'll tell you what she was doing. She was playing ukulele and eating soup. I don't know. I've never seen New Girl. What? Yeah, I do not care for sitcom comedies. I am very snobby about my comedy. That is so snobby. Why wouldn't you? It's absolutely hysterical. What do you not like about sitcom comedies? Yeah, canned laugh and p- p- set up, set up joke. But there's not canned laugh when set up, there's set up no joke. audience. 
Right, I know, but uh, it's like that. Oh, you're just so the way it looks on the film with the like the bright, like how I met your mother. Like, come on, I'm not gonna watch that. Wow, that's the snob- <laughs> I- literally in years of knowing you, this is the snobbiest thing you've ever said. <laughs> and it's your loss because New Girl is hysterical, but she and I in my dream had gotten our plates mixed up. The She's person- just like eat- eating soup and playing ukulele. No, that's in the not rain. her character at all. Do, 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 do. Oh yeah. yeah, you're you're really missing out because <laughs> it is one of each of those characters in their own right is beyond funny. I watched the whole thing again in quarantine. Oh, but then, isn't it such a disappointment when you have? I've had the SNL dream so many times that I'm sitting in the audience of SNL. I feel it. The excitement's happening. I'm hearing the director call in. I hear the countdown. Band start. The whole thing. Really, you've had actual dreams about that at night about being at SNL. So that's the most common dream I have. Do you remember and, your dreams all the time? Listen, I need to preface something because I'm going to answer your question, but I need to tell you that another thing, <laughs> I'm laughing because of what a horrible person I am in the first three minutes of the show. I yeah. am snobby about comedy and I don't care about people's dreams. And I am laughing because I, I want to answer questions and be a good friend. But also part of being a good friend is <laughs> is knowing that I routinely tell people that I love and that live in my house, I'm good. I don't need to hear the fullness of the dream. It's just your subconscious running wild. Let's talk about things that are happening. And they rightly roll their eyes at me because yeah. I'm the worst. Yeah, I'm the why, worst. why do you feel that way? Why? Because it's it's nothing. Dreams are nothing. People are going to, oh, people are going to go, not going to like that. But it's just like whatever little things are trickling around in your brain while you're not really thinking just kind of firing together and making synapses. It's not like, I think every once in a while there's something like if I start to have work dreams, yeah. I can tell like, it's a sign I'm working too hard. You may feel or, this way because you dream every night. Do you dream every night? No. Okay. But I do f- dream in black and white and in French. What does that say about me? You're lying. I am lying. It's all like a noir film. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I cannot so, believe that you do that to those absolutely lovely children who live in your house that you tell them you don't care about what they dreamed yeah and ones that i'm married to <laughs> like yeah. the whole they just know that i am a total grump about dreams that wow. being said that being said I, i'll never bring it up again but it did start no. my, now my morning started off double disappointing because i didn't know this was who you were and <laughs> i was hanging out with characters that i really like that i think you would really like and then I woke up and it's never going to happen. It's not possible. It's it's absolutely literally impossible. But I had a real choice to make then and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. Because it was like, do, do I be your actual person that you know or the person that does another 10 minutes on dreams? And I felt like I got to choose. No. You want to. Yes. What's going to happen is you are not going to realize that I'm choosing podcaster instead of actual friend and then i'm going to talk to you again in a month and i'm going to have to sit here and listen to some insufferable subconscious thing that happened sure it won't happen in another month well it'll never happen again but it for sure won't happen in another month because i only remember my dreams once every four years so you have nothing to worry about but see that's the problem with me and that i don't want to happen is that i'm not saying i'm right that's just how i am how yeah, I feel. but me being a good friend back to you is not telling you about my dreams. Who cares? You're right. It is but, just a dream. It's not like an actual thing that matters to me. But maybe me being a good friend is shutting my mouth and listening to your dream. <laughs> right? You did. Am, you totally well, did. I, I but lasted do you not for think, two have minutes. Have you never had any dreams that you felt like had spiritual significance? Mm, 
huh yeah it wasn't super clear like there's the answer but there's been it's it, it feels like i w- woke up and there's a premonition of a thing happening right. or right. something feels particularly more right or more wrong i've never sure. woken up and had like the lyrics to yesterday and written them down or something like that but right. i have had like oh i see my my whole being is moving towards something and i just was able to name that something and i don't think that that's oh, my that's brain cool. does it does that make sense yeah. like a big decision or something's wrong or something's right or i realize something so yes so to that end yes and i guess people could give credit to themselves and say it's their own brain in the background working hard but i do think there have been times where there's extra information that i would have had no idea of knowing yes. that has been helpful so Same. that was a yeah. long drawn out answer what yeah, about you great um in my whole life there have been three and so and so so that's the other thing with me and dreams is they are just so rare that i remember them and for as rare as i remember them they're times 11 more rare that they matter you know and yeah. so but i i'm with you I, I interrupted you earlier you were saying that when you when work gets stressful you dream a lot well yeah and i'll have like i'll continue working in the dream so oh, it's wow. it's the most mundane junk where i'm writing my response or writing the copy for the whatever yeah and you're like oh i this i'm not turning this off and it happens rarely but you know everybody has seasons yeah where it's particularly busy um yeah do you remember uh i'll ask a question that i don't know that you want to answer but we can punt it away because sure we don't practice this you said there were three. Yeah. That's a pretty definitive thing. Are you able to tell me any of those three? Yeah, or I'll is tell it you all like three of them. Two- no, none of them. Were. One of them was in college and I was trying to decide in my awake life, I was trying to decide what happened next. Like what happens after college? You know, oh, it was yeah. my senior year. And I just had a really memorable dream about, I felt this real tension between my hometown and my college town. Mm-hmm. And I just had a dream that kind of, felt like God was reminding me that I could live in both. Like he was telling me that everything isn't black and white, that some things can be both, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) when in my awake natural state at 20 years old, that was really hard for me to comprehend. I was very, I, I needed black or white in a lot of things because I was, I was, I am naturally more gray I am naturally more, wait, let me hear you out. Let me hear both sides of this. Let me, you know, like, I bet y'all both are bringing, like, politically, it's, I'm, I, it's hard for everybody. It's also hard for me in that Mm. I believe both sides have really valuable things to say and both sides do really stupid things. And so I'm very gray. I'm not like all the way either side. So that's a long answer to that. So that's my natural tendency. So it, what I find with the, this particular dream is that, is that the Lord needed to say something to me when my conscience wasn't available because of how black and white my conscience was trying to be about this one decision. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of a, that is in a weird way kind of helpful, right? Because it sort of puts you, it's almost like exposure therapy for a second. Uh-huh. It's like, you can just go there for a second and feel it. You can, uh-huh. wear, you can try that coat on. Oh, okay. I see how that feels. That's uh-huh. a, that's an option I can handle now. Yep. Now, the funny thing is the other two dreams are about the exact same. The, those two dreams are about the exact same thing um, in the opposite way in that in the maybe 2014 or 15, I wanted to quit this job. It was just 
hard. <laughs> I was in a really hard season of this job and I had four books out and didn't have enough income to pay the bills. So I was like applying for my fourth book was out, Eddie, and I was applying for a job at the, the teacher uh, parent store. I mean, it wow. was like, yeah, it was, it was not really, that that's bad, but that's a real dis- disconnect between two what people worlds, think. Isn't it? Yes. And that's such a disconnect between what you think happens when you're an author, <laughs> right? Oh, you yeah. think her, fir- her fourth book is out. She's probably buying a Mercedes. It's like, no, my fourth book was out and I couldn't pay my employee and was barely able to pay myself. And so I was having to get a, a supplemental job to pay my employee at my full-time job yeah, and, um, and pay myself. Um, so I decided to quit doing this and I was going to go back to teaching school. And so I started researching teaching school and I didn't ask the Lord and I didn't pray about it. And I didn't, I mean, I just was like, I'm going back to teaching. Like I can't do this. And the first dream I had I was in my, you know, I used to teach elementary school. I taught two years of fifth grade and three years of fourth grade. And in the first dream, I was back in my fourth grade classroom and my planner was laid out on, I mean, this is, I could, this is so clear. It might've really happened, but it didn't. My planner is laying out on my desk and I'm looking down at all the things I have to do in the school week and all the things I have to do for my writing and speaking job. And I start to panic because I realize I can't do them both and I've made the wrong choice. And so I run down to the principal's office and, and tell her I just can't. I'm so sorry. I know the school year is about to start, but I can't. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, man, that's that feels like the Lord telling me yeah. that I'm not supposed to do this. And about a week later, I had a real disappointment professionally. And so I decided to quit again. And that night... I dreamed that I was back in that classroom and my teaching contract was on my desk. And as I, this is kind of gross, as I was signing it, I threw up on it. Oh. And I woke up and I was like, okay, Lord, you've told me twice that I'm supposed to trust you and that I'm not supposed to run back to what feels safe and what feels easy and what is steady income. And so I will trust you. So those are the three that I like really remember. But you'd remember if you threw up on a teaching contract, you know. Yeah, in dream or in real life. That's not a uh-huh, moment you forget. Uh-huh. Isn't that wild, though? That Two is. Two weeks in a row to dream the exact same thing that I tried to go back to my job that I loved and still love and feel safe in financially. And both times, it was just so clear that I wasn't supposed to do that yet. I have a question that it seems like I'm just pandering to you and all the things you care about, but I actually wonder about Right, that this. is three dreams that you don't want to hear about dreams at all. Sorry. I don't. Yeah, because it's interesting. I, I do but wonder, though. Ask, or were you just being nice? No, I wasn't. I mean, I think we know by now I was <laughs> not being nice. But it was just such an odd, not odd, but specific point that there yeah. were three. Because yeah. I'm like, I remember generally some things, but you had like moments. Yeah. But so the question I have, I wonder if Enneagram type people have different relationships with dreaming because part of me thinks that I don't dream a lot because I generally process all of the stuff inside out loud in my head constantly all day long comfortable sitting in it because of the nature of who I am like when I finally go to bed finally but being the operative word like sometimes I have a really hard time falling asleep if there's still too much brewing but if I can finally get myself to bed there's usually very little there 
and That's I sleep through it. That's really interesting. Because, you know, yeah, the think... opposite is sevens. I mean, if I put my right. head near a pillow, I'm asleep because it's a way to escape. Right. And so then I wonder if yeah. your brain is still working hard on these concepts or working hard on, because, yep. I mean, it's not hard to dissect the new girl dream, right? I mean, right. <laughs> what it means. Like, Which we is kinda... what? Literally nothing? No. It's, sorry, I said that so. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I don't what does it mean? <laughs> You miss friends and community and being around people. You've stopped watching as much TV. Yeah. So those two things crash together in, I think, in you like having a dream that you're literally in this in new with the new girl cast. Yeah. So that's a very likely possibility. I hadn't even thought of either of the things. I just thought how fun it was. And that's the thing is I would think of all day long, all of the things that are wrong and how I'm processing and how I miss it. So by the t- time I go to bed, I'm, I'm, done churning uh, on sure, my feelings sure and you're you go right to sleep but they're still churning left to do yeah that's really interesting i think that probably makes a ton of sense this may not be a good theory and it may not hold water but i'm curious if it there's got to be somebody smart that's written about that with everything that's enneagrammed about these days yeah somebody has to have written about that yeah i, I mean that makes a ton of sense because i i mean i I know a lot of people with my personality type whether it's enneagram or strength finders or whatever i know a lot of people with my personality type who use sleep as an escape and who when they're stressed they fall asleep when they're sad they fall asleep like not in a narcoleptic way but in like a literal like not cry yourself to sleep way but I will lie down and be crying and be asleep oh what an unbelievable what what a gift yeah, but to such a different people are such the it's one species, but really realized <laughs> a lot of different ways. I just yeah. can't fathom that just because sleep is absolutely a fir- the first thing to go with me. Even if I don't know something's wrong, when I stop sleeping, something's wrong. Something's happening. Fascinating. And I, I'm going to bed real late. It's because your brain is working the whole time. I guess. And it, sometimes I don't even feel it. So sometimes it's just seasons of like if the anxiety depression clouds are rolling in and i haven't been able to name it yet sometimes yeah. and it doesn't happen often but like once one one and a half times a year there's there's a brush of it sometimes there's just something brewing that i'm telling myself oh it's not a huge decision we'll get to it but it's wow. actually but i don't know what it is but that's the first to go and so it's a helpful thing because i know when i'm not sleeping there's something and it's leading to the series of additional things yeah. that that will then begin to cry out you're not okay right now. Help find solutions. Time to get to work. Do you know what's funny? When I, when I can't stay awake is when I know something's wrong. When I like need a nap every day, when, when I can't get up regularly in the mornings, like it's actually been something I've noticed about myself the last couple of weeks where I'm like, man, I am not waking up as bouncy as I normally, like I normally, when my alarm goes off at six, like my self-discipline and my like this is your time to do what you want to do gets me up. And it has not been that way the last couple of weeks. And, and I've chalked it up to this to like, Oh, there must be something you must be sadder than you realize or more something than you realize because you can't stop sleeping. Man. Weird, right? It is so weird. (laughs) It's also weird how long you can know a person, how much we've talked, and we just, it's all, there's a whole brand new world about each other that seems like a pretty major thing. Yeah. What's, sleep health. What's Bree's sleep like? And what's her, I don't know what her, what she identifies as Enneagram wise. 
well, you would we would probably need to ask her all of those things. We would, you can ask her all that stuff. Cause I always feel weird about fully sharing about all of her world, but sure. I will say that I am a much more finicky sleeper and look up yes. to really everyone in my house and their ability to sleep, including, and I mean this respectfully, the dog. Yeah. That's They're, why I was wondering. Yeah. I don't need, that's kind of you to, to not tell Bree's story. I just was, yeah. My thought was, are you both sitting up in the middle of the night being like, we don't sleep well, or are you like? Oh no! Yeah, it's me and the Larry Sanders show in the middle yeah. of the night. Wait, uh, Larry Sanders burning... show is a com- is a stand up. Um, I mean, is a what's it called? A, it is a not a sitcom, Annie. I don't. Right now, here's what just happened. You just brought your basketball in, and you just realized that you're playing against LeBron, and you didn't even know it. So, do you? Oh my gosh. I did it just to hear your disgust. So I very rarely hear your pure, <laughs> just your pure Wait, disgust. Wait, if I understand the Larry Sanders show, as I remember it, it is, mm-hmm. but he t- he does talk to the camera, doesn't he? It's many, it's many formats within itself. It's a multi-camera show when they're behind the scenes filmed. And it is a two camera, uh, it is a two camera late night show or sometimes three cameras, depending on when they're doing the late night show and they intercut them with mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. It is also the best com it, it's it's it launched the comedy writing of basically everybody that writes anything significant right now. Sure. Mainly young Judd Apatow in his, I think, first or second writing job. Uh and Gary Shandling, who is sure my my all time favorite writer writer. Um so anyway. I um, mean, why haven't you written more public comedy? I just feel like the world is missing out. With as much as you I, know and as much as you've studied and as much as you watch comedy, why are you not writing it for us? I appreciate you saying that. I, I feel like I could, but I, I want to acknowledge like, that was a very nice thing of you to say. Yeah, um, I mean it. I love it. The, the reason is I'm not quite sure. I have a hard time writing just to put it into the ether. Like I've submitted things to publications many times and have a script writing thing and want to write a script. I have a hard time just doing it unless there's a thing attached to it. I work really well on deadlines. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Just like start a blog and be like, here's a sketch that you can read. That to me, some, I realize some people are like, yeah, that's a good idea. To me, that feels wholly uninteresting. I um, also. You only want to li- write if people are going to read it. Yeah. But so not to be famous, but because there's the feedback to it, there's the performance aspect of it. I can make myself laugh all day long about things, but there's the like I will do stand up comedy when the world reopens. Uh, Oh, really? really? I will. I have. Yeah, that was the second 2020 goal. I remember us talking about that, but I didn't realize you were so like, yes, I will. Well, there are two. There are 20 when 2020 hit. We didn't know 2020 was going to be 2020. In January, it was just 2020. Mm -hmm. And I was staring down 40. And I talked about this briefly, but the the media version of it was, I didn't have a New Year's resolution, but it was like, okay, I turned 40 this year. How's it been the first 40 years? I felt really proud of some stuff that had happened and just the general things of being able to navigate, you know, leaving home and being a parent and being a husband and all of those kinds of things. I was like, that was a good good 40 years you launched well yeah and i felt like okay what's this year and what's the next 40 and so i had some big goals for that and they're all really like anybody would guess them like continue to parent well like try to 
help out in the world and stuff like that's just like big stuff. Sure. But also specifically, it was like, I have got to conquer or figure out this health thing a little bit more because that's just not working. What what I'm doing now is not working and I'm sure. not a healthy person. And I really want to be able to handle this in a way that isn't some sort of like crash diet that's set up for failure. I really want to understand what health could mean for sure. me. That was the first one. And the second one is I've got to do something in comedy without any delusion that I'm going to, that Conan is going to ask me to write on a show. I, it's not that kind of thing. I need to express this at somehow. And to me, stand up is the first step for that. Yeah. Because I need to get on stage. I need to hear the people not laugh because this is such you and I together on this show. It's such, it's so easy to do this well because I have you who is a professional podcaster and an incredibly kind, warmed up, ready to go podcast listener audience. audience. Yeah. That's yeah. so easy because I know and have been podcasting in the space that they've been listening to for a decade almost. Like yeah. this is, I, I need to get in front of an unfriendly crowd and understand what it's like. Cause I think, so the answer, so all of that was, then we got locked down and I was like, okay, well, yeah. here we are. But when we're unlocked, I'm going to do some open mic up here and open mic wherever we end up moving and see how that first expression leads. And I bet that that will lead to additional expressions of, you know, sending wow. in spec scripts and trying to do stuff because it really is. Comedy is really important to me. Yes. Oh, really deeply. And I'm more than just a fan. Like it's very, very important to me. Yes. We all know. I know. The I know you, you know. talk about new girl. The disgust with which you talk about New Girl is proof that comedy matters. <laughs> but you're really missing out on Schmidt. He's the funniest character. Uh, Eddie, do you know that I actually, on Wednesday night, I went to a stand-up show? I saw a picture of it yes. and would like to hear more. It was, it. I I have loved Trey Kennedy as from a distance for a long time. We became mm -hmm. friends about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and I adore him up close. He's an even better human up close as a person. Like he's just a, he's, he's a, he's a great human. You would love yeah. him. He loves to read. He's thoughtful. I mean, I just could not think more highly of him. I, I don't really care about any of that. I know that he is a comedian. And uh, so uh, right. I would well, here, freeze up fully around him and be, and am in love with him. Uh, yes. Great. So let me, ex let me tell you about the scenario though. The scenario is mm -hmm. we're in the middle of a pandemic. And people cannot be gathered. So he, he he did a live stream event, like a live stream um, comedy show, like a stand up show. Yes. And but there were like 20 of us that he did. He filmed it here in Nashville. And so I text him and I was like, wait, I saw that he was filming it in Nashville. I was like, wait, I want to come. And he was like, OK. And so I a friend and my friend Sarah and I went last night and uh, we were had to wear masks the whole time, social distance. So I need you to know that this kid, he's not a kid, he's a man. This man mm -hmm. and the guy who opened for him, they did stand-up comedy to 20 people in a room, spread out in groups of two with whoever you came right. with, right. with masks on. Can you imagine a harder crowd? I can't, and that's how you know they're good because I, they are just, because I will tell you, I don't, you don't even have to tell me, they killed it, didn't they? Yeah, they killed they, it. They, they were both great. The place down. Yeah. 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 They can't because they know that because you can walk into a room with two people or you can rock, walk into an arena and you're going to kill it. Yeah. This is that's how good Trey is. 
he's not so going good. to fail. And it was very, um, it was live streamed to like thousands of people. And they knew that. So they knew on the other side, there were thousands of people, but when, but in the room with yeah. masks on and social distanced, I, I mean, the emotional energy afterwards, I was like, Trey, I am more impressed with you than I've ever been. Because the emotional energy to entertain 25 people spread across a room where you cannot see their faces is yeah. so extraordinary. And it was, I mean, it was, it was brilliant. It was hysterical. Oh, yes. I'm, I don't I have do, no doubt. I don't go to stand up very much. I only go if it's one of my people, really. I don't, don't, don't go watch it just for fun. I just go watch it if one of my friends is doing a show. Mm -hmm. But I can totally see how the art that it takes to be a good stand up. It's an art. Right. And it's just like anybody. I don't appreciate painting like I should, but there are people that do. And you know that they know a thing that you don't know, that I don't yes. know. Which well, is, well, I think you do appreciate it far better than I do. You have, because you study it. I mean, you, like, that's why I think you should be writing it is you know it as well as anyone I've ever met. Oh, like stand up and, yeah. and just comedy in general. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, but I think it takes that appreciation. It takes a million hours of podcasting to, or you can just have, part of it is you don't want to learn how the sausage is made. Part of me just likes that you go and you're like, that made me laugh. And it was pure. You're yeah. not dissecting. Hmm. Are they kind of pulling from yep. the whatever school of or interesting that they would open with that or that was kind of a hacky uh -huh. move to get a, get a laugh? You don't have to do any of that stuff. You can still just like comedy. But yeah. I'm, I think that's awesome. And also, I got to say, you're the person you specifically, Annie F. Downs, are the person if, if a comedian is going to fill a room with 20 people and try to pull some energy from those 25 people that are spread apart. You're one of the 25 and one in the room <laughs> because you have a, there it was, a yeah. generous laugh that yep. is heard. You don't want me in a room because when I hear a great joke, I know I don't laugh at all. Yes. Like a, like, like a, like a shockingly good joke. I just lean back and go, there it is. That yes. is it. Yes. And it's, a lot of people me. heard my laugh on the live stream. It was a, oh. I got tagged a lot after the show on oh, Wednesday night. Annie, that is the <laughs> best. People are like, uh, do I hear Annie F. Downs in the back of Trey Kennedy's <laughs> live stream? Is that Annie F. Downs' laugh? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also was, uh, because I'm Annie F. Downs, I, and a lot of the people in the room were, were fans of his, like huge fans of his. I am too, but I'm also a friend. We were trying to sit kind of far back so that, the you know the the chairs came in pairs and so my friend and I were my friend Sarah and I were like we'll just sit back here because I'm just here to cheer for my buddy you know I want the people mm -hmm. who like are huge huge fans and this is a yeah. moment for them I want them to be up there you know and yeah. um and then they moved us one section and put me right by one of the microphones that yes and I was like oh, they know what man. they're doing yeah I was like this is this is gonna be loud <laughs> I couldn't that help it he was so funny. <laughs> Oh, oh it's great. great stuff. But also you're a great, I mean, I got to tell you, one of the primary reasons that I like getting to do this show with you is because if I can really get a good one out, if I can yeah. sneak in a thing, especially, <laughs> you know, my favorite version of you laughing is because there's different versions of it. Yeah. It's uh, the uh, shocked surprised I said it and understand the joke all in a second. Uh -huh. And so I, I won't do the impression, but it is just sort of like a, Oh, and then a hard <laughs> laugh. 
so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you gulp in the surprise and then you just first right but then you are <laughs> you can't deny yourself the fact that you enjoyed yeah, it yeah yeah that's I my favorite her. one yeah i know her that's yeah. my that's my that's and right. but i have to try not to do that too much because you know there are other people listening <laughs> you do get that one though that's true Every um, once man, in a while, when you do a stand-up show are you gonna let us can i can people like are we gonna be able to watch it no yeah i think at first i will need to do this alone sure because i don't want to stock the pond with my own people. Crowd, sure. Like, you know, you know my buddy Luke Norsworthy? He does um, stand up. He's a oh, pastor really? who does stand up. Yeah, y'all might enjoy being friends. Yeah, yeah. he does. He does stand up. That's cool. Uh, I know. And I, he and it's funny to watch the videos because you're like, oh, that people did not laugh at that. Yeah, I have felt too much easy success with comedy, and the one thing that I know from every stand-up comedian of ever, that I've ever listened to, and I've listened to, every, you don't all even need them. to make, people don't need to make suggestions on Twitter. I have watched it all and heard all of it in every podcast and every little random YouTube interview. Yeah. And to a person, they all say, the most formative thing is the bombing, is walking in and having to hold a your own microphone and amplifier set in the uh -huh. middle of a roller skating rink where the roller skating is happening and they're paying you $20 to do a 15 minute set. Yeah. And no one's paying attention. Like you have to do that to, to be John Mulaney walking yeah. into, uh, not Carnegie hall. What's the other one? What's the uh, rock, the Rockefeller center. Yeah. No, no, no. You're thinking, Oh, they're it's next to Rockefeller it's, center. Um, oh. Not Carnegie. Live at, it's it's a thing he just did. It's the big John Mulaney live at. Mm -hmm. Oh man, why did I do this to us? I'm sorry. This is I'll stage math. It Google it. Google it. I know. Which, I while you're doing that, I'll tell you that I saw another comedian friend of mine, and I the, a couple of days ago, and I said to him, "Are you listening to Mike Birbiglia's new podcast?" Oh yes, what a joy! <laughs> so that is. good. Are you listening to Nate Bergazzi's podcast yet? I haven't started listening to it yet, but everybody loves it. Oh no. It. I I will though. Yeah. I love Nate. I kind of save him because he's so precious to me. Oh, really? Not him. Not like yeah, uh, yeah. But Radio, like his Radio art. City you Music don't like Radio City Music Hall. There it is. It's like I slowly read Hemingway because there's an end to it, and I don't want to read all of it. Uh, I want to always have a little bit more. So I slowly, slowly through my life will listen to it. Yeah, because I want to save it. I that's how I feel about Nate Bergazzi. I don't know if he's my favorite, but his last special, his Netflix special, it was the one about the horse in the hospital. It took my breath away. Oh my gosh, it was so hysterical. magically hard to yeah. do yeah. and so effortless. And he's just, he's a, he's a different, a whole different thing. You know, I got to interview him one time. I talked yes. to him. Yes. Froze. I mean, <laughs> dripping sweat, frozen. Oh. What'd you interview I mean, him for? I did know you talked to him, but I don't remember what for. It was just like he was doing the the rounds of a thing. And, you, and he, he was on New Activist? <laughs> no, Relevant. Oh. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, know, I was like, wow, I, he was on New if Activist? Was, if there was, I sometimes think I set up the New Activist to be a safeguard for myself, not just interviewing comedians. Like, Why don't I you cannot do a show have a where you just interview comedians? Greenlit. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Why not? I would love it. I would love it. If it's like the Judd Apatow book when he was in high school. I don't know. He this. basic 
Oh, well, he wrote a book about it and you should, and I say that respectfully, read Judd's <laughs> book. It is very funny. Uh, I think he's only got one out. Well, he's got two out. He put out a Gary Shandling book, but the one before it where when he was a kid in high school, he, he was such a fan of comedy, never thought he'd do it. He was just such a fan of comedy that he, and he lived, I think it was like New Jersey, New York, somewhere where he had access that he would reach out to Seinfeld, Leno, big comedians at the time that even at the time weren't like undiscovered. We're talking like big, big comedians and say, I'm writing for my high school newspaper. Can I interview you? Then they would say, sure. And he would meet them back of a club, my you know, before they go on, interview them for an hour, punchline, the school, he never wrote for the school newspaper. He was just yeah. lying. All he wanted to do was spend time with these people, but he had hours and hours and hours of just gold recordings. Yeah. And then he compiled them all and put them in a book. And it's just this incredible book with basically Seinfeld giving advice yeah. and Leno giving advice and Carlin and all of the just greatest comedians giving young Judd Apatow advice. And then, you know, the second punchline is Judd becomes who he becomes. But uh, yeah, I don't know why we started, why I started talking about that, but that is a great, that you're going to make a new podcast. I'm just going to lie and just yeah. be like, Hey, I'm on coming. This is Eddie calling from Gimlet media. We are <laughs> launching a new show called Eddie chats with funny people. <laughs> anyway, anyway, live it up. Enjoy. Want to do two, uh, want to do two hours and then like be really good friends and text and stuff like that. And then I'll send you a spec script. That I'm thinking about writing for BoJack Horseman, and wow. anyhow, okay, cool. Oh wow, that is that is deep dive. Um, <laughs> all right, we really did it this morning. What a way to leave oh, people Annie. to the weekend. How do we possibly title this show? I, we can talk about it off the air, yeah, but I love it. Yeah. All right, friends, have a great weekend. Please wash your hands, and we'll see you back here on Tuesday. Bye, buddies. Bye.